advocate for yourself and for your teammates. And if you see that you know we're not getting as good of a warm up as we should be getting, or our cool downs lacking, don't be afraid to speak up because you of all people should know that this is probably the time where you need to be really, really careful. That was Dr. Christy Zwolski, a board-certified orthopedic physical therapy specialist and assistant professor at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center, talking about how young athletes can advocate for their own injury prevention needs. And we are Julian Dietz, Elizabeth Dietz, and we want to welcome you to the She Dreams of Goals podcast, where soccer dreams come alive and goals are just the beginning. This podcast is all about empowering girls to use their passion for soccer as fuel for on-field success and a lifetime of wellness. In each episode, we'll talk to stars from the NWSL, health experts, and performance coaches to unlock their secrets to success and discover what it takes to be the healthiest soccer players and people we can be. In this week's episode, we're uncovering strategies for injury prevention in young female soccer players with the help of Dr. Christy Zwolski and Dr. Kristen Bastian, both soccer players and board-certified orthopedic physical therapy specialists at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center, where they specialize in pediatric sports medicine and rehabilitation. They both have extensive research, professional, and leadership experiences in the areas of sports medicine related to female athletes. They work with individual players and teams in the Cincinnati area to help improve their physical well-being and support their soccer dreams. We met Christy and Kristen through their soccer outreach program. We have learned so much from them since we connected this past summer. They taught us about the many components of injury prevention like warming up properly, strength training, balance exercise, rest, hydration, nutrition, and the one we always forget, cooling down after training or playing. This episode is a bit longer than usual, but that is because we cover so much. As a soccer mom, I will forever be grateful for their support and guidance. But don't take my word for it. Elizabeth, what did you think? I loved working with them. When we went to the clinic, it was so much fun, and I learned a lot about how my body works and what types of things I can do to stay healthy. I especially love the 3D cameras. Kristen and Christy are awesome because they are soccer players, they get kids, and they know how to help us stay healthy. All right, so whether you still pack a soccer bag full of shin guards and a ball or the weekly carpool full of fierce young female soccer players, I hope you'll join us each week to explore how we can achieve our dreams both on and off the field. Elizabeth, kick us off. Welcome to the She Dreams and Goals podcast. Hi, Christy and Kristen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Elizabeth always likes to start off with our favorite question. Did you play any sports when you were younger? (laughs) Um, Yes, I did. So I played soccer since I was, I don't even know, maybe five or six. And then I did a lot of other sports, too, when I was younger. So I played basketball. I played volleyball. I ran track. But soccer was the one true love. So as I got older, I got more competitive, started traveling, um, and it kind of started to consume my life in a positive way. And I enjoyed it and then played all through high school made a difficult decision to not play in college, but wanted to focus on kind of the future. And then that led me to 
um, physical therapy and then just seeing these soccer athletes from the other side. Very cool. And Christy, what about you? I have the same list of sports as Kristen. So that's kind of fun to hear. Um, Soccer, basketball, volleyball. I also played a lot of street hockey when I was little. Our neighbors played a lot of street hockey. That was really fun. Um, And I still play soccer today. So keeping it going. Really cool. Did you guys have uh, favorite positions? Yeah, I I feel like I, I played midfield most of what I can remember. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, I played all over, but I'm a little vertically challenged. So mm-hmm. keeper was never a great spot for me. <laughs> to be. But I grew into and loved playing center mid. And then my aunt always thought it was funny. She asked me to run a half marathon with her. And I said, you are out of your mind. That sounds mm-hmm. terrible. And she mm-hmm. said, I think you run more than that on the field. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, center mid was probably my true love. <laughs> what about you, Christy? I'm a forward through and mm. through. Mm. Elizabeth too is here shaking yeah. her. She's <laughs> giving you a thumbs up. Or I was a forward. She still is a forward. I was a forward. Dad was a forward. Matthew's a forward and I'm a forward. Yeah. Though I think dad played a little defense and uh, yeah. he was the classic striker his whole life and then defense in college kind of guy. <laughs> So we are so grateful to have you on today. We actually visited you at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, was it a couple weeks ago, to kind of find out more about injury prevention for young soccer players. I do feel like there are a lot of injuries that are happening, especially with uh, women's soccer. And I don't know if it's just my attention to it, but it seems like it it has increased. And I know I said to you that I'm kind of surprised because I feel like the science has gotten a little bit better and we know more. So my first question for you is, do you know what's going on with these injuries? Yeah, it's <laughs> we, we see a lot of them, obviously, too, with some injuries. I... I think the knees and ankles, I think, are probably the most common that we see. I mm-hmm. I wonder, too, at times, are we seeing more injuries or are we hearing about more injuries? Yeah. Um, it definitely plays a role. Um, but, it, you know, there's also the growing increase in injuries in, like, head injuries as well. And That's I think true. You can talk to some of that. but knees and ankles are big and it can, you know, we, we go out there and, and play, but are we setting our body up for success on and off the field and prepping for what we're going to go demand it to do and then wrapping it up after we've demanded it to do, you know, play for so long. So are we cooling down enough? Are we warming up enough? And then what are we doing off the field? I'll let Christy jump in. I'm sure she's got some thoughts too. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, two things come to mind. One, I think our kids uh, who are playing sports today are put under these demands that are probably a lot higher, a lot harder than in past decades. Um, the youth sports culture has just gotten more intense in general. And so to match that, our kids have to play harder and longer and, um, you know, focus solely on a a single sport at a very high intensity. Um, But two, I think from a medical standpoint, we're getting better at diagnosing these injuries. So we have some better tools at our disposal. Uh, We're getting smarter as clinicians to just be able to know when something is 
a really serious injury versus just maybe an overuse injury. And so I think it goes hand in hand. We're trying to keep up with the youth sports culture. That's, um, you know, these kids are getting injured at high rates, but um, from a medical standpoint, we're just getting a little bit smarter because we have to maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do remember when you mentioned concussions, I remember maybe it was 10 years ago because I'm a school counselor. So I work in a school. And so a lot of the kind of things that impact, you know, these injuries do impact the kids academically as well, right? Because they're out of school, they're dealing with injuries, especially concussions with the recovery with needed for concussions. And so I do remember about maybe 10, 12 years ago, there being like a huge wave of concussion cases at my school. But I really think it was more like diagnosis, like we had been dealing with those concussions probably, you know, forever, forever really but I think that's when some of the science was getting better and they started to do baseline testing for the kids and they actually started looking at looking for concussions and so yeah definitely I mean concussions that's that's a huge thing that I have questions about definitely and then the knees for women's soccer I'm noticing it a lot more I don't know women also like in the professional league there wasn't a great professional league when I was playing. So I probably didn't hear about it as much and wasn't. A, so that makes sense that it could be awareness. And um, I'm curious, like, what are some of the simple things we can do to start talking about prevention or young girls can start thinking about prevention? Someone Elizabeth's age, you know, 11, 12 years old can start thinking about how to keep themselves healthy. Well, that's a that's a really good question, and I think we could probably um, talk about it for a really long time. And there's a lot of different avenues that go into it. Um, not only is it you know just on the field, but it's off the field too. Of you know, rest and recovery is is important as well. But if we're talking like you show up for training that day, or you show up for a, a game, and you're getting ready, um, you know taking five minutes to say that you've stretched and then you're going to go out and start practicing is probably not enough um, Mm. for what you're going to get ready to do. So really it's, and I know it's hard because you get there, you have so many things that you want to work on and that your coaches want you to work on and you want to play with your friends and that's all important and it's fun. That's the love of the game. But I think really taking the time and using the time to go through an organized warm up and um you know there's things out there that you can find and are pretty easy to implement and you can do it with a team and it's you know you probably see a lot like the national team warming up and doing a lot of these things too but really taking the time for a warm up and then you know it's it's hard cuz it gets late and of course you've got homework and so you got to get home and and you know, either eat a snack or get ready for bed, but making sure that you're cooling your body down too, mm-hmm. and not just running straight from the field into the car, sitting, and then going home, doing all these other things and going to bed. Yeah, I think seems- that's something that we really struggle with, or at least I have noticed we struggle with. I do see the kids, you know, some teams and some kids are better about 
about doing a warm up with soccer is like playing to warm up as a little bit, but I also feel like I know there's like FIFA 11 that they could Mm -hmm. be doing to warm up and we'll link to that in our show notes because I think that's a really great resource that I would like to see more of and to see more stretching, but I don't see cool downs happening with any of the youth teams, including the teams that I coach, right? It's like you end practice and you you get in the car and like my son's team, he took carpools. So he's in the car for 45 minutes after he practices. He's 13. You know, we're starting to notice some tightness in his hamstrings and different things. And I think cooling down is probably really important. Elizabeth, have you ever cooled down at practice? Do you even know what that means to cool down? Okay, so Grandma what does legs up the wall. Oh, yeah. See, Grandma knows. Grandma does legs up the wall after she runs. <laughs> what, what about for soccer? What would a cool down look like? Do you have any ideas? Stretching. Stretching? Okay. So what would a cool down oh, look no, like? Okay. We'd like jogging or like slowly running. Jogging or slowly running. So what do you, Christy, Kristen, what do you think? Uh, what would a cool down look like for someone who's, you know, 11 to 13, say? Yeah, you can almost think about a cool down as a reverse warm-up. So if you picture the intensity level of a practice, maybe over a graph, um, you start with really light intensity in your warm-up, and then you slowly ramp up and ramp up, and then the meat of practice is you're playing and you're sprinting, and then a cool down, the purpose is to really literally warm yourself down, or we call it a cool down. Um, But... Elizabeth's exactly right. There's some stretching in there and there's some running maybe, but, um, you know, a, a, a good example cool down would be we jog a couple times across the field. You do some dynamic stretching just like we did in the warm up, and, and some of those things you'll see in the FIFA 11 handout, but really just kind of reverse that warm up so that at the, at the end, you've gotten about five to 10 minutes of just Cooling your body down after it's worked really hard, you lower your heart rate and your muscles don't go from, you know, 100% to cold and sitting in the car. So that's yeah. that's the purpose of a cool down. We just want to keep players safe after they've uh, been really, really active. What can they do outside of their actual practices and games to kind of work on injury prevention? I'll, I'll take of it and then I'll let Christy do kind of the other side of it because again there's a lot of different avenues but one thing that I think is missed is like your sleep your nutrition your like fluid intake I think is is key too so you know making sure that you're getting replenishing water making sure that you're having you know some of your fruits and veggies but getting some protein and a good snack after practice whenever your practice is or you know when you have those tournaments in between your games making sure that you're getting some protein in there and that you're getting refueling your body okay. but then asking it to go and do this again or allowing like refueling your body to allow it to recover through the night when you go to sleep and then waking up and doing all of your activities the next day. I think sometimes when we're young, of course, we want to stay up and play and we're just excited, but uh, sleep is just as important. (laughs) Um, And water and electrolytes, those are all good. So, you know, a Gatorade in between is fine, um, but getting some water, um, it's what our body needs. Um, And then just some good food, um, good snacks, Mm -hmm. good food. I know 
potato chips and all those fun things are good and they're tasty, everything in moderation, not saying that you can't have those. Um, but our muscles love protein. So, you know, getting some peanut butter, getting, you know, some of the meats, just a good healthy snack or dinner or something after to help refuel our body in that way. And then I'll let Christy go over. Yeah, I was just going to speak to that. I know like for, for us, sometimes it's like the more we play, the less we actually sleep and eat well because of just the schedule, which I I didn't feel that much in, in playing at the college level because we really would plan our, our lives around kind of like our games. But I think at the youth level where tournaments, they're getting less sleep because they're driving, they're playing with their friends, which is also so incredibly important. And sure. then also like you're eating whatever food's available. Mm-hmm. And so we've been trying to like bring food, some food with us so we can at least in between the pizza and the whatever else we're yeah. having, have some other healthy, healthy options. But yeah, because I can't eat Chick-fil-A. Yeah, we used to eat a lot of Chick-fil-A, <laughs> but we're we're not so much anymore. But yeah, it it is really hard with the schedule. So I think being mindful of if it can prevent an injury in the long run, it's going to be worth it. Yeah. All right. And so Christy, you were going to add to the, the second part of my question. Yeah, I think the second part of your question revolved around what else we could be doing. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we don't necessarily think about too much or maybe we don't harp on enough is just our rest days so I know Elizabeth probably has you know her soccer schedule's packed and so sometimes it's hard to find a day off and that you know if, if you can get one day off per week that's really what we would recommend just because you're you're asking your body to do so much in seven days and we really do need some sort of recovery day but what we like to prescribe on those days is active recovery. And so okay. it's not just a, a prescription to go lay around or sit on the couch, but really be active in different ways than you would be if you're playing soccer. So um, going for walks, going for a hike, playing with your dog, um, you know, finding a new sport or just playing like street hockey would be a good example. Yeah. Just doing something really different that's not as intense as you would normally participate in a practice or a game, but um, recovering your, the movement side of you on those rest days is, is really important too. That makes a lot of sense because you use like different muscles or in different angles when you're doing other stuff. So yeah, that's cool. So Elizabeth practices Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but then Thursday she always has completely off so that would be a good day to do something a little different yeah but then i'm exhausted from having practice monday tuesday wednesday because it's just like do 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 right after each other (laughs) and then on friday i we're usually driving to a tournament or something yeah it was a little hard when she was doing middle school and club but i think now that it's on friday yeah i think now that it's just club i think that's a healthier level so looking for something fun like going for a scooter ride. I know after her Mm -hmm. tournament last weekend when we got back, played in St. Louis and then drove four hours home, we, I was like, okay, come on, let's go, you know, not right away. (laughs) I was tired too, but we went and like just scootered around the block a couple times just to like, you know, move a little bit. And so that, that's great advice. So definitely doing, you know, something else, active recovery. I like that. Mm -hmm. What about strength training? Is that something that kids, uh, you know, at that age should start thinking about? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a misconception that if they are younger or kids are not safe to do strength training or using weights. And there's been more and more evidence that's coming out that that's not really true. The thing that is difficult with kids or the thing that you need to watch out for with kids is, you know, you need to be safe in the weight room. So having somebody that can help show you either, um, you know, a trainer at the gym who can watch you or a parent or a coach or, you know, some other family member. But the biggest thing is you want to make sure that your form is Mm -hmm. or like how you move, you're moving well, and then you can start to add some of the weights. You don't want to just go in and throw around a whole bunch of weights and compare to each other. You want to do it safely so that you're actually getting your muscles stronger. But it's really important and we do encourage strength training in our kids and we teach them that it's okay to do it and we'll show you how to do it um, and help you to move well. I don't know, Christy, what else you want to add to that? Yeah, I think for girls in particular, Strength training can be a really great adjunct if you want to think about it as injury prevention. That's fine, but just a really good good thing to consider whether whether you're an athlete or not. Just because we know that as girls go through that growth spurt and they go through puberty, they do get taller and they do get wider. But the difference between boys and girls is that girls' strength somewhat plateaus during that time, mm-hmm. and so while their dimensions have changed they actually get weaker relative to their size. Whereas boys see a spurt in both. Yeah. So that it's, makes sense. This, it's, it's unfair. But <laughs> if girls can, can stick with, or if they can learn how to strength train and how to progress that um, at an early age so that movement is good, then as they go through that growth spurt and they go through puberty, we can load them appropriately so that we don't see that mismatch in size and strength. And that just makes them more resilient for whatever sport they end up playing. Um, Makes them more resilient humans so that they can take, you know, a tackle or they can, you know, if they're playing on a a field that's uneven or bumpy, like their bodies are more apt to handle that. That Mm -hmm. makes so much sense. I've never actually thought about that. I was definitely super strong when I was, a kid before puberty, you know, I could probably do like 20 pull-ups back then. (laughs) But, you know, after puberty, it's more like two or three pull-ups. Now I probably can't do any. And even just looking at, you know, my son who's 13, he's getting so much stronger. And I can definitely see the girls his age while they're strong. Definitely they're strong. It's a different proportion. And even looking at my Mm -hmm. husband and I, like, even when we're in the same, like, training type thing like he's still strong like he doesn't lose his strength as much as like I do if I'm not doing the the strength training so that that's really helpful I mean I never uh no one ever talked about strength training when I was young I mean we did a bit in college but it definitely wasn't female specific or soccer specific even mm-hmm. like and and I'm curious is there a different type of strength training or different focus when you're looking for it for yourself the girls are looking for it to see what they should do should they be looking for somebody or a program that is soccer specific and then another layer to that should be should they be looking for someone that has experience working with female athletes i think it's 
it's always helpful to have somebody with that knowledge or that background, either with being soccer specific or just working with female athletes. But I think there is definitely some activities and some exercises that you can do or that, you know, maybe Christy and I do within the clinic that are really soccer specific. But then there's also just different strengthening areas or muscle groups that we look at um, to make sure that we're hitting. You know, I especially with us girls, we love to load the fronts of our legs, um, but we don't always love to load or utilize um, the backs of our legs as well as we should. Um, okay. Those muscles are still big for a reason. So working on our, you know, glute muscles or um, working on our hamstrings, that's always an area that Christy and I like to target with these young female athletes. Um, we've gone out to the field and worked with some of these teams and the moans and groans that we get every time we start some hamstring strengthening is mm-hmm. always comical, but we, we always know that we want to say, you're welcome. We're, we're <laughs> helping you. We're teaching you about these muscles that you are going to use. Um, and, and it might make you faster too. Um, so just some other little buzzwords that make them moan and groan through it, but they still do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Christy, I don't know if you have any other thoughts. Yeah, I do think there's some benefit to just some really simple, basic strength training moves. Um, So I don't think it necessarily has to be soccer specific. So if you think about just a basic squat motion or what we like to call a hinge, where you're standing on two feet and you just hinge forward at your hips. Those two motions are so commonplace in any sport or physical activity and so if you can understand how to get your body to do those two motions and you can strengthen the muscles that do those motions it really prepares you well for soccer but then for you know if you decide to do basketball that winter and softball in the spring um, those types of motions are great so I don't think uh, it needs to be soccer specific that said, um, you know, there are certain things we can do in a weight room to make our, our lifts or our resistance training more soccer specific. And that's when we start to play around with speed. So maybe we do lifts a little bit faster or we work on endurance. And so we have you do just, you know, five more reps than normal so that we train your muscles and we make them think a little harder so that they actually adapt to get some of those needs and, and performance that we're looking for so I, I think you'd be good with any literally any strength training is great yeah. yeah it's a good start as long as you can start and start learning I think what mm-hmm. to do and then as you get more sophisticated and you get older you can start looking for new things as you kind of build your base right you have to kind of build your your base first and then go with there and I love that idea of starting before puberty kicks in or, or if you've already you know puberty has already started like it's never too late. Get started with it. What about balance exercises? I've heard a lot of different things about balance just in general um, for, I don't know if it's knee stability, ankle stability, or just in general for, for safety with sports. <laughs> I guess my answer would be D, all of the above. Um, okay. 
I think um, there's always good rooms. I think my my injuries growing up were always within my ankles. So mm-hmm, um, me too. the amount of balance exercises I had to do with my physical therapist, which is what got me into all this, but is is crazy because after an injury, not only do you have to strengthen and obviously get your movement back, but after an injury, you have to make sure that your brain is firing everything when it's supposed to be firing or how it's supposed to be firing. So it gets to what we like to call some neuromuscular control and just some proprioception of just where our brain feels like our body is in space or how we're moving. So um, the balance get to some of that and can help with kind of the functional strengthening of everything together. If you're thinking about an ankle after you roll it, you want to make sure that you can balance. So now you're using all of those leg muscles together to keep you upright, which you're going to have to do on a field or even on a court or whatever it is that you're doing. Is that something that also when you're, as you get older, I mean, I just see Elizabeth, you know, she's always, doing cartwheels and walking on the edges of things and climbing stuff and jumping on the trampoline. And I, I don't see my high school kids doing that so much. And so I'm wondering if like those natural, the natural um, activities that young kids do kind of feed into that. But then as you do less of that, maybe you actually need to practice it more. I mean, I don't know what I don't know, but I was just thinking, thinking like, I don't see my high school kids doing that. And I see Elizabeth doing a lot of that. And maybe, you know, she'll lose a sense of her balance if she kind of stops doing those little things. She says, no, she doesn't want to. She has the hiccups right now. So that's why she's not on here. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Christy, I'll let you jump in. I think that's exactly. I mean, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And we see that, you know, if you fast forward 50 years, we see balance issues in adults leading to falls. So it's the same thing, you know, as our our kids are exploring their bodies and their movement patterns. Um, They're probably a little bit more excited about cartwheeling and, Mm -hmm. you know, walking on curbs. I still get excited by that, but I know I was thinking you know, like maybe I need to start working on some cart- more cartwheels and, <laughs> and stuff and just having more fun. I actually have a balance board in my office, so but maybe I need to get on that more. Yeah, those are all great things. But you know, we talked about concussions earlier, and yeah. a lot of our a lot of the injuries that we see in, in young soccer players happen when you are stopping, when you're accelerating or slowing down, or when you're landing. And good balance feeds into a more resilient body during those motions. So if you have better balance, you'll be able to stop easier. If you have better balance, you land easier. But there, there is evidence to say that that if we can improve balance, we might be able to decrease some of the risk of suffering these concussions too, just depending on the mechanism. So. That's really interesting. So like maybe some sports that, you know, if you're if you're a soccer player, but maybe participating in some sports that are maybe a little more balance related, like a martial arts or I don't know, I, I can't think of I, I know as a kid, like me, my brother and my sister, we all played college level soccer. And luckily, we never had any I mean, I had some ankle stuff. I think that's just the anatomy of my ankles. But we, we never had any knee things. And my brother was also a wrestler. 
which is a lot of balance. Uh, we all water skied a lot, which mm-hmm. is like a different kind of balance. I loved like climbing trees. I did gymnastics when I was little. Balance was always something that was a strength of mine. And I wonder if maybe kind of some of those other type of activities or sports might be helpful. Absolutely. I think you kind of hit it the nail right on the head with that. I think that's why we like a variety of movement. That's why we like, you know, getting involved in different things. I mean, even something like water skiing, I mean, that takes a lot from your muscles and it's fun and it just, it uses a lot of those muscle groups, but it just uses it in a different way. It's not the same movement pattern that you're doing on the field. So any type of activity is great and we love it and we encourage it to, to move your body and to, to have fun, but just doing things that are a little bit different. I like that. Yeah, my dad used to always say that was our like preseason training was water skiing because we would do it all summer, but right before we would go to preseason and we just rolled our eyes at him. But I think maybe he knew what he was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the, the other question I had is, are there some symptoms of injury that maybe athletes should start paying attention to? Or does it just kind of happen spontaneously? It can be different things, but I think one thing that when Christy and I were kind of talking before we did this and that we wanted to mention is just listening to your body or being aware of your body of maybe a different ache or pain or if something doesn't feel right. And it's okay to tell your coach. It's okay to tell mom or dad. It's, you know, let somebody know if something doesn't feel right because maybe it is something that we need to get looked at and that we can help with before it leads to something bigger. It's okay to sit out and rest. Sometimes that's what our body's telling us it needs and we need to be aware of that and we need to listen to that because it's important. I'll let Christy add some stuff too. For, for younger players, just to understand the difference between a overuse injury that might happen slowly over time and your gut just says, this doesn't feel right versus a traumatic injury. And those are much more easy to diagnose. You know exactly when you sprained your ankle yeah. on the mm-hmm. soccer field when you're running. But I, I think, you know, for girls, especially of a younger age, sometimes it is really hard to tell the difference between I worked my muscles really hard yesterday and I'm feeling that mm-hmm. my muscles are sore because I worked them versus this pain feels like a, a pain. Like something, my, it's a pain that my body's telling me something's wrong. So as girls move through the years playing soccer, they, they get more in tune with their bodies and they can be able to tell the difference. But sometimes it does take a little teaching to be able to say like, oh, you did, you know, a lot of squats yesterday. So that's probably just your muscles telling you that you did a lot of good work versus you might want to sit out today just because that that's a pain that's not necessarily muscle soreness. Yeah, it's a hard it's a hard thing, but I think even starting those conversations it it helps them to learn, it helps them to know what the difference is and it is always funny when we're in clinic and this hurts and it's well that's that's a good hurt. They they look at us like we're crazy. <laughs> um but um we want to use our muscles and and I think um when it is some of those overuse things, it's, it's not always, and I think some kids might get scared that they have to sit out for a long time. And that's not necessarily the case. It might be 
you're doing part of it and then resting for some, or we're gradually working you back in. And um, we want kids to, to move. That's what they are good at. That's what they love to do. And that's what's fun. And that's what they need to do. And anybody needs to move, not just kids. But yep. um, we want to keep them moving. We just want them to do it safe. And sometimes they just need a coach or a parent to help them navigate that <laughs> or know yeah. when it's okay to take a little rest. Yeah. So, I mean, Mark and I both played in college, but sometimes we just have to ask like a medical professional with our own kids because we don't want to be making those choices for them. And so we're like, we don't know. We don't know if they should, you know, be laying in their bed or not laying in their bed, but like not playing at all. Or if, if it's okay for them to play a little bit, because we want to keep them healthy, but it, it's, it's still hard at this age to really understand it. So that's great. So, so far it's like hydration, nutrition, before, during, after games is incredibly important. Getting the sleep to help your body recover. Starting strength training, you know, especially for female athletes. Younger, you know, the better and, and doing it age appropriately, but learning how to do it properly, which I think is. And then um, warming up is incredibly important and making sure that you cool down and doing a variety of like movement activities different kinds of sports and fun. Like if you had PE every day, that would be perfect. You know, if you're doing all different types of things. I was wondering, so we had a really cool experience coming to your clinic and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what that was. And for me, it felt like an education opportunity for my kids, but also to look at their kind of movements and see if they had any weaknesses or strengths that maybe we should target before an injury might happen. And I was wondering if you can explain a little bit of the science of that and what you all are doing at the clinic. Yeah, so um, Christy and I had a lot of fun that day too. It's always nice to break it up and um and they were a lot of fun to work with. But basically, we have done programs where we take some injury prevention out to the field and we work with the teams on the field. So um, we then COVID happened and things were kind of shut down. So we kind of established what we called kind of a ready to play program, if you will. But more once things were starting back up, we were seeing more injuries in these kids because they weren't doing a lot and then mm. they're ramping back up. Um, into sports. So, but the program was really just kind of Christy and I putting some things together of, well, if we're bringing these athletes to us and we have access to some of our tools, then we can do some of the things that we would bring to the field with very little equipment, but we could also use some of the tools that we have in clinic. So, um, you know, we like to go through an actual warm up with the athletes when we bring you in. Um, some of that is just very similar to different things that you would see on the FIFA 11 plus just to introduce them to some of those movement patterns. Um, also just doing some band work and some strength work because a warm up isn't always just stretching and running getting yeah, the, their muscles. Ready. The band work is so cool. Like I, that didn't exist yeah. when I was playing. So yeah, the first couple of times I saw it, I was like, I do not know what's happening because uh, yeah. I had been out of the sport for a while. But yeah, now I see it everywhere. The the professionals, the little guys, I think it's great when they do it as a team because I don't yeah. see them doing it individually as much. Like when it's just one kid on the team that wants to do it, like I see they seem awkward, but when the whole team does it, I think that's great. But yeah, yeah. The band, yeah, they did the bands. I thought that is really cool. 
Yeah, so just teaching them some of those different things. And then we looked at, you know, some flexibility and a little bit of strength. And then um, did a couple of tests that, you know, we've done on the field that we can do with just a simple iPad on how they jump. And then um, I'll, I'm going to turn it over to Christy because then she got to use some really fancy equipment. Yeah, she's my fan favorite to turn on the 3D motion cameras. Yeah. But those are really helpful because we can see only so much as clinicians with our eyes. We can tell if someone's running funny. But with healthy athletes, it's really subtle motions or angles or pressures that we can't see with our eyes. And so with Matthew and Elizabeth, we had them uh, step into our 3D motion lab. And um, it's uh, we had them do a couple jumps yep. and um, a single leg jump where they're landing on one leg and a two-legged jump. And what we do with the 3D motion technology is that we're able to see between right and left leg what's going on. Are there any big differences that we should be aware of? So we get to see maybe how deep you're bending on your right knee versus how deep you're bending on your left knee. And that might tell us, like, ooh, Elizabeth's using her right knee a little bit more when she's landing, and maybe we need to implement some exercises so that she she uses both legs, because that's just a bit safer um, method of landing. And so those cameras are able to pick up some of those really tiny motions and forces that we can't see, and I certainly can't measure forces myself so yeah yeah it was so cool I mean Elizabeth what did you think of like the cameras with the skeleton and like like I was in a video game it was kind of (laughs) cool yeah and what did you what did you learn you were pretty even but what did you learn about kind of your your jumping do you remember yeah when I was jumping my knees were going in a little bit yeah. yeah and then what was the other thing that they recommended that you should work on do you remember soft soft landing yeah Working on some soft landings. Yep. And then Matthew, it was, see, like there was a tiny bit of uh, strength on one, you know, more, a little bit more dominant on one side. And so kind of working to, to balance that out and, and figure out. I thought that was really cool because, yeah, I wouldn't even think about it, but it makes a lot of sense. And I think it, it would be really nice for families to work on that together or teams to work on that together. So mm-hmm. do you have any suggestions? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and obviously we love doing it and it's a great education piece, but I think utilizing resources that are available to you. So, you know, if you have something like that where there's, you know, we have this soccer clinic and we're within the area, but even other facilities or different things that are out there utilizing those tools the fifa 11 plus is out there they have the 11 plus they have the 11 plus kids and it's there's some good it's pretty easy to follow there's a manual different things there that you can utilize it's at your fingertips and i think it's so hard because schedules get so busy and when you have you know with matthew and elizabeth you've got two schedules you've got everybody that has to be everywhere So it's nice when it can be a team and it's something that you can do if it's being with your team during the off season and it's something that you work on there. I think just being creative with the timing or the planning, but it's nice when we can come to you as well, or even just coaches going and doing some of the education and then implementing some of that stuff at the beginning or the end of practice, or again, during off season to bring the team together, just 
thinking outside the box. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing when coaches would reach out to Christy and I of, well, what does this program look like? We would respond of, what are you willing to give us? How yeah. can we meet you where you are? And we'll figure it out. So I think using the resources and just thinking creatively, but just starting or thinking about it. And, and I agree, being with a team is always fun. And then a lot of the athletes are pretty competitive. So then it just makes it a fun challenge in a game. And it doesn't feel that it's just boring doing something by yourself. Yeah. So I think that's a great idea for anyone listening, whether it's a player or a coach or a parent, like let's challenge ourselves, you know, towards we're getting towards the end of the season or middle of the season. Like, can we, what can we learn? What can we learn about injury prevention and what can we challenge ourselves? Even if we do one thing different, maybe we just do a cool down as a team. You know, we all agree. Okay. We're not all not going to jump in the car. We're going to ask the parents for five extra minutes or we're going to end practice, you know, five, 10 minutes early and we're going to do a little cool down. Um, and, you know, when I'm coaching, like I, I think this is important and I think that should be part of coach training, you know, mm-hmm. part of the, I've taken coaching courses. Um, they definitely talk about what to do if there is an injury. There is an injury. They talk about, um, you know, what to do if there's a concussion, what to do if there's, you know, a break. But I think adding that element on how to prevent injuries for your young athletes and not just the make sure the practices aren't too long and make sure they don't train too much. I mean, obviously, that's incredibly important. But also talking about some of the active type of prevention, I think, is also really important because really before I met you all, um, I didn't know much. And I feel like I'm a pretty informed parent just because this was my sport and it was Elizabeth's dad's sport as well. I mean, he was a college coach, but I still felt pretty uninformed. And so I have learned so much. And the easier I think we can make it for parents and coaches and players, I think the better. So I'm so grateful for programs like yours. And I hope they continue to expand throughout the whole country. I definitely am noticing a difference in our community with it being added, but I think we need to to move it at a quicker rate so that we can keep these kids safe and healthy. Cause that's the whole reason why they play sports in the beginning. Cause it's fun. I know Elizabeth had a question that she wanted to ask before we let you go. I'm mid season. Is there anything I should consider as my body is starting to get tired? Elizabeth, that's a great question. Um, so we went over the basics today of making sure that you're getting enough sleep and you're hydrating and you're eating really good food to fuel yourself before and after you play. I think now is probably the time where you need to to make that brain just turn one notch higher in regards to your taking care of your body when you're on the field. So we just talked about the warm-up and the cool-down. Just be a be an advocate for yourself and for your teammates. And if you see that, you know, we're not getting as good of a warm-up as we should be getting or our cool-down's lacking, don't be afraid to speak up because you, of all people, should know that this is probably the time where you need to be really, really careful. So, love the question. That's really, yeah, that's really good advice because I know Elizabeth's coach is always saying like he's he's they're at the age where he's looking for leaders, you know, he's yeah. looking for them to to stand up. And 
you know, it's hard sometimes when your whole team is standing and everyone's chatting and you're like, oh, we should be doing our bands. But yeah, <laughs> it's hard after a full day of school. But I think if one person's like, okay, we're going to do our bands. I noticed one of the girls on the team, I think her dad said she had to do her bands. And then she started doing the bands. And then like slowly more people started doing their bands. And I think that can make a huge difference. So yeah, that's great. Advocating for yourself, talking about, you know, how your body's feeling and how you can start taking care of yourself. All right. Thank you so much for being on today. We took a ton of time, but I just feel like this topic is so incredibly important. Thank you so much for all that you have done for our family. And thank you so much that you're doing for soccer and uh, trying to keep us all healthy. Thank you. Thanks, Julian. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you all take a few minutes to check out the show notes and all the links available because this episode is so full of great information for players, coaches, and parents. And remember, if you like what you heard, please follow us, which you can do by visiting shedreamsandgoals.com. Follow us on Instagram at shedreamsandgoals. And most importantly, share our podcast with family, friends, and teammates. And until next time, keep playing and keep dreaming. This podcast was prepared by duly authorized members of She Dreams and Goals, LLC. She Dreams and Goals, LLC does not accept liability for any opinions or information of any kind expressed by its guests and hereby makes clear that those opinions do not represent the opinions and or recommendations of She Dreams and Goals, LLC or its members. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute any form of professional advice. Listeners of this podcast should conduct their own extensive research before making any decisions in connection with topics discussed in this podcast. She Dreams and Goals LLC is committed to providing content that is safe and appropriate for all ages. However, legal guardians are ultimately responsible for supervising access by any minor under their care to content produced by She Dreams and Goals LLC. She Dreams and Goals LLC does not make any warranty or representation as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. To the fullest extent permitted by law, She Dreams and Goals LLC shall not incur any liability in connection with this podcast. This podcast may not be copied, published, reproduced, or redistributed in whole or part without the written permission of a duly authorized member of She Dreams and Goals LLC. For further information, please visit www.shedreamsandgoals.com.